Welcome back, writers, to the Graffiti Podcast. I'm your host, Dub. If you are here to unofficially, officially discuss all things graffiti, then you are officially in the right spot. Good afternoon, writers. Before we get into our topic, there's a few things I want to go over. Um, The first is I would like to apologize. I have not uploaded a podcast in a quick minute. Um, This in particular topic we're going to be talking about today, I have made a podcast for already, but the app that I'm using um, banished it. It just disappeared. So here we are recreating it because this was a topic that I really wanted to share with you guys and I really wanted to get out there. Um, the second thing is, is I've only made one podcast and I've had some great reviews and great comments. Um, a lot of people have given me some amazing feedback feedback, and have really appreciated just the topic of graffiti. So really stoked about that and I'm really excited to get into it. So today's topic is heavily based on a theory. Um, it is a, let me see if I can pronounce this correct, a criminological theory that is that's visible signs of crime antisocial behavior and civil disorder create an urban environment that encourages further crime and disorder so that's a bit of a mouthful um and i do apologize this is all live um not typed so bear with me here um but the theory we're going to be talking about today is called the broken window theory the broken window theory Um, was actually introduced in 1982 by two scientists. Um, The first one was James Q. Wilson, and the other one was George L. Kelling. Um, It wasn't that popular at the time, as it was just in a small article, but then later in the 1990s, it was popularized by the New York police, um, as they used it to explain a lot of the criminal problems they were having. Um, The broken window theory is based off of a story, so I'm going to tell you guys a story. I typed this story out for you guys, so if it sounds like I'm reading, I am. One morning on your jog before work, you notice an abandoned car on the side of a dirt road. At first you thought somebody might have just left it there, but three days later on your jog, you notice the same car is there. A month goes by on your morning jog, you notice that somebody smashed the window with a rock. You thought, huh, I'm surprised no one's claimed this car yet. Another two weeks go by on your morning jog. You run by the same car that's now been there for quite some time, except there's more damage done to the vehicle. This time you stop and examine the car. You notice a few windows are broken, the side mirrors have been busted, some of the seats are torn in, and it looks like people have been sleeping in the car and leaving trash behind. A few of the tires are going flat, and it's grown a really bad odor. You came to the conclusion that nobody cares about this car, so why should you? You figure, what the heck? You pick up a rock and then you throw it at the windshield and it makes a huge crack from top to bottom. Then you continue with your morning jog. Another month goes by and you're on your morning jog and you notice that the car is still there except this time the car doesn't even look like a car. It has been so badly damaged you you can't even recognize that it's a moving vehicle once driven by another person. You thought to yourself, how could this happen? Who would just abandon their car? Why does nobody care? Why does everyone keep damaging the car? Why did I feel compared to damage, compelled to damage the car? This is the broken window theory. This is just one of many stories you could tell to explain 
and it fits into just about anything throughout life. So I typed that story out so I could best explain it to you guys. Obviously, you could use anything for the story, but the broken window theory has played a huge philosophy and it's been a debate for ever since it's been invented. It's been a debate. Um, and I was reading articles and the articles actually state how this philosophy, this idea has played a huge part in police decisions. Now, for me in particularly, in particularly, <laughs> sorry, my bad, um, it plays a part in, in my, in my graffiti life in what I was doing. So I'm going to go ahead and tell you guys my own personal story. Uh, just know that I've corrected my wrongs, everything's made up, and I'm still pursuing my passion for graffiti and growing as much as I can. So before I was into graffiti, there was an abandoned sugar mill in my area, and I had friends that were into the same thing I was, and at the times we were just explorers, so we had heard about the sugar mill. Um, let me explain to you what kind of condition the sugar mill was in, okay? So it was abandoned in 1970s, in the 1970s, and it slowly started to gain attention to explorers or photographers or graffiti artists. Uh, the building today is very badly damaged. It's been caught on fire three times. Almost every single inch of that building is covered in graffiti. Walls are broken down. All the windows are broken. Trash is everywhere. Homeless people stay there. Uh, Animals are crawling around. The ceiling and the floors are collapsing. I mean, this building is in rough condition, and it's huge. I mean, it's very, very large. It's large space. Um, I've met with the owner many times, and I've spoken to him a lot about this and how he feels all about this. And that's how I've come to learn and kind of understand the broken window theory a little bit because I've read it from someone's point of view that actually does care about the building but there's not a lot that he can do so um we had seen that the building was damaged and we had seen plenty of people go there before us and we've seen all the graffiti so we figured why can't we go there you know we had the mentality nobody cares so why can't we do it you know what's stopping us so we ended up going and oh uh, i can't i we were going for three years i mean we went all the time and I've always loved art, so it all kind of mixed together, the the exploring and the adrenaline, and then looking at the graffiti there, I was like, oh, that's cool, I want to do that too, so I started practicing graffiti there, I mean, that's where I started doing graffiti, it was kind of like a safe haven, because, you know, you have the mentality, nobody cares, but at the same time, no one's going to come here to try and catch you or stop you, you know, they're, it's an abandoned sugar mill, no one cares, so, I mean, that's where we're doing graffiti, and in the end result, the sugar mill is what got me caught. I never got caught red-handed, but that's what eventually led to my capture, if you will. Um, but even then, that goes to show the broken window theory. It, uh, you know, I, my friend and I had the mentality that nobody cares. You know, everyone else goes here. Everyone else damages the building. You know, other artists are painting here. Why can't I? Why is it not okay for me, you know? And it's it's just insane. If, if you go back and look at how the domino effect pattern hit, it just 
falls perfectly in line with the theory. You know, and it doesn't have to just be vandalism. It doesn't have to be graffiti. It can be anything in your normal day life. Like just driving, you know, if one person's speeding, the next person starts speeding, and the next person starts speeding, and the next person starts speeding, it's everyone's going to start speeding. And then if they're speeding, why can't you? you know, it's, it's the same concept. And in graffiti, it is more often called the ooze effect with how it spreads out effect plays a huge part in the graffiti world um i actually met with a graffiti removal guy and this is what he calls it and he refers to it as and basically what the ooze effect is is take a clean location say there's a wall and it's just a pedestrian tunnel and there's been no graffiti there and everything's fine and then one writer comes along and decides he's going to do graffiti right there on that wall and everyone's like oh sweet you know other people see it and they're like oh this is a safe place to do graffiti it's a good place to practice they go and do graffiti there and then eventually the tunnel fills with graffiti and things start slowly oozing out of the tunnels and say there's a light pole on the outside of the tunnel that gets sprayed with graffiti then the trash can next to it with graffiti and then the bench behind it and then the previous walls we're well, not the previous, but the next walls behind the light pole and then the streets behind it. And then, you know, it just this is the ooze effect, how it slowly creeps its way out of the tunnel. And we see this all the time in graffiti. And this is one of the biggest reasons and why they won't give us legal walls. Like everyone I talk to when I try and fight for legal walls, this is their prime example is. We can't think we can't keep anything else around it nice. And I do see this. There's there's a legal wall in a town about forty five minutes away from me, and it's it's a pretty decent wall and <clears throat> I mean it's just about the right length and right height that you'd want to do a decent sized piece. But if you look around, everything around it gets gets tagged, it gets touched with paint. I mean Right behind it is a firehouse, and there's dumpsters on the other side. There's a fence separating the firehouse and the legal wall, and the, the dumpsters on the other side have graffiti. And then to the right of the wall is trash cans and light posts, and those are covered in graffiti. And then behind the wall on the other side, from, away from the firehouse, is actually a skate park, and that wall is covered in graffiti. And the signs near the graffiti or the, the legal wall is graffiti. And then there's a bus stop right down from it, and that's covered in graffiti. So that one wall caused that whole area to spread and ooze with graffiti. <clears throat> and I apologize for my bad grammar and bad English right now. I'm doing my best to remember and explain the story as I go. But the broken window theory and the ooze effect pretty much go hand in hand because... Everyone thinks, oh, they did it here, so why can't I? And, you know, they did it here, so I'm going to just go a little bit past them. And the number one thing I've always noticed about graffiti, um, and this isn't always true, but for the most part it is, is it's a competition. You know, oh, they painted this, so I got to paint this. Or they painted here, so I have to go one step further and paint here. You know, and, and, and it's just that competitive spirit. I mean, you have that same thing in sports 
or just about anything you do. You know, you want to be the best. You want to make sure. And in graffiti, one of the most important things is getting your name out there. You want people to see your name. So what? I mean, one of the best ways to do that is put it in a place that nobody else has, where it stands out. You know, if you if I do my tag, surrounded by a bunch of other graffiti, all the graffiti stands out. You know, it's not just mine in particular. Another ideological thing about the broken window theory and the ooze effect is how it helps law enforcement stop crime and catch criminals. It kind of, it with the ooze effect, they can start to pinpoint what's going to happen next and where is it going to happen, you know? If one location starts getting graffiti, they can kind of start pinpointing where the next areas are where they can catch people red-handed. Um... And it can it can help with any kind of crime, you know. The ooze effect. If if one bank is getting robbed, they can assume that the next three banks around that are probably next. You know, it it kind of it can help, and you know it's not always true, and these scenarios aren't perfect. But this philosophy really does go into how they think. And one thing that I learned throughout my whole process is what they call your circle, and so say I did graffiti in one town, and then I did graffiti in another town to the left, and then I went a couple hours up north of that and did graffiti in another town. Then they would take those three points, make a circle around it, and then obviously I'm somewhere in that circle. If these are the places that I'm most commonly doing graffiti, then I have to live somewhere in in or really near the circle and it's the same thing you know there's when you start oozing out and making a bigger circle it can make it harder or it can help pinpoint and it, it just depends on which way it falls and I know I'm kind of like yeah it works here it doesn't work here it's kind of iffy um, I'm just trying to give both sides of the argument um, since I've researched both sides That pretty much wraps up the broken window theory and the ooze effect. It definitely uh, still plays a lingering effect in society, and I believe it always will. Uh, this podcast is a little bit shorter because, I mean, there's only so much I can say about it. It's pretty self-explanatory, um, but there's a lot of people who haven't heard of it or they don't even know what it is, but it goes on in their lives every day. So I really challenge you to try and notice the the way the broken window theory plays effect in your life. If you can find a relation to it at work or at, if you're in school or no matter what you're doing, try and realize the other things that you catch yourself doing that play effect in the ooze effect or the broken window theory. Maybe you have a better example than me. Maybe you have better scenarios. Maybe you have your own personal event that you've already gone through that you know you know, whatever it is, just try to realize and be aware of it and be aware of the fact that it goes on every single day in almost everything you do. So have an amazing week, writers, and I'll be back soon with a new hot, fresh topic that I'm pretty fired up about. Peace out.